up guys my name is kj short for khalil jones today we got a very short episode possibly but this is why theology now today i want to kind of tackle this issue of infant salvation notice i didn't say infant baptism but i said infant salvation now basically what this we're going to be talking about today is if a child dies whether or not they go to heaven or hell and this has kind of been oftentimes debated throughout history whether or not you know what's the answer to this question but i kind of think the bible is very clear about this so maybe i can be kind of helpful to some of you out there who have wondered this question or maybe even had doubts about this you know god's character in this so so i guess for starters we can probably start with this so again the topic at hand today is infant salvation if a child dies in infancy will they go to heaven children who die in infancy will they go to heaven and so i'm pretty sure many guys have heard this term called age of accountability now for myself i don't personally agree with that name or nor do i like that name age of accountability because i don't believe it's a certain age but we'll talk about that in a little bit but the first thing i need to start is that there is nowhere in the bible that explicitly states that children who die go to heaven but there's also nowhere in the bible that explicitly states the word trinity but we have concepts of what the trinity is based on what scripture teaches us well in the same way we can have indirect uh, indirect information and we can piece it together throughout scripture to find a good, satisfying answer to this question. Where do babies, where do babies go when they die? But let's start here with two words, imputation and original sin. Both these go hand in hand in what theology, a, a term which known as uh, total depravity. If you guys remember in season one, I had a whole series on what is performed theology which is three C's, or in my case, four C's and five S's. One of those C's is, of course, Calvinism. And basically, we don't worship and praise the man Calvin himself, but it's simply an acronym, which is known as TULIP, the doctrines of grace. And of course, it's seen all throughout scriptures, those doctrines of how God is sovereign over salvation. But one of those doctrines that I want to highlight is what is known as total depravity. Now, total depravity in essence, it basically captures what imputation and um, original sin is. Double uh, total depravity, basically, in essence, is um, the definition doesn't uh, say that mankind is as worse off or as evil as they can be, but rather when we say total depravity, we speak of humans right now or all of creation right now. Mankind is in a state of total wickedness. That is, every act that they do right now currently is rooted in nothing but sin and nothing but such. Genesis 6, 5, it says this, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of thought of his heart was only evil continually. Now, we think about this, Genesis 6, this is the time period of Noah and the flood. The reason why God destroyed the earth with the flood is because, again, this verse, he saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And that every intent of the thought of his heart were only evil continually. Now question, when you look around the world today, do you not see the same thing? And so the reason this is because of what we speak of, total depravity. Again, it does not mean that mankind is as evil as they can be. But it does mean that every single act and thought that we have outside of Christ is nothing but sin. And all of our actions are rooted in sin. Mankind is totally evil. Matthew Henry states in his commentary about this verse. 
he states the people um in these the people the sinners in these verse in Genesis six, he says, They did not do evil, though more carelessness, as though that they walk unadventurous, not heeding what they do, but they did evil deliberately and designedly, contriving how to be mischief. Basically in essence he's saying, um, people in this time period who were sinning, they were not uh, struggling with sin as Christians we do today, but merely they were practicing their sin. They were getting PhDs and how to sin. And they were mastering the craft of sin. And again, I ask you, if you were to look around the day, do you not see this same thing? Reformed Baptist John Gill, he says, The heart of man is evil and wicked, desperately wicked. Yes, wickedness itself, or evilness itself. Then he says, A fountain of iniquity, out of which abundance of evil flows, by which it may be known in some measure what is in it, and how wicked it is. But God, that sees it, he's the only one that knows perfectly, of how wicked man's heart can be and of all the evil that is in it. And so both those guys are kind of highlighting total depravity that we see in Genesis 6, 5. But total depravity is not just in the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament. And so it's also in our day as well. But Paul states in Romans 3, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So the Bible speaks of this fact that all of us, all of creation, who were born in the prosperity of Adam, are all um, sinners. And so I told you about that word earlier, which is imputation. And so original sin and imputation is basically Adam. He was our federal head. You guys know we have a federal government. And the federal government represents the people as a whole. Well, they're supposed to. <laughs> but that's another type of the day. But in the same way, Adam, he was our federal head. And he represented all of mankind as a whole in the garden. And so when he sinned, all of us in him, we also sin. Or let me go back. That probably didn't sound too right. <laughs> Every single person basically is not a sinner because of what Adam did. He passed on to all his children that he made. This sinful nature that he had in the moment that he sinned in the garden. And so as you guys know, now in our society, we don't have to teach baby the word no. It's like they already know it on their own. And in the same way, it seems as though we had to teach them how to be good versus how to be bad because they already know how to be bad. The question is why? The answer is because of what is known as, again, total depravity or original sin. Adam, he imputed or passed down and gave transfer this sinful nature, this evilness that he had once he sinned to all of his children. That is why we're told in Genesis 5, in um, chapter 5, verse 3, the emphasis it says that uh, Adam, he had children in his own likeness. And so we are all um, image bearers, of course, of God, but we're all made in the likeness of Adam. He was a sinner. And so today, you're not born with a clean slate and then you sin and become a sinner. But the Bible teaches us that rather the reason why you sin is because you're already a sinner. And again, look around you and also in your life today, you find out that you are indeed a sinner. And of course, this is what separates Christianity from every single other religion in the world. Because every other religion in the world says that you can be good, but the God of the Bible says you can't be good. As a matter of fact, he says that you are evil and nothing but such. But the topic at hand is infant salvation. So how does this tie in total depravity to infant salvation? Well, the answer, David, 
he says in Psalms 51 verse 5, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So think about this. David, in essence, what he's saying is, the moment his mother was pregnant with him, when he was alive uh, inside of you know his mother's womb, he was already a sinner. And so, in essence, children today who are, you know, if the mother's pregnant, they're already sinners. And so if they were to die, let's say, if their mother were to abort the child, would not that child go to hell because they're sinners, right? And the Bible speaks about how sin cannot be in the presence of God. God cannot let just sinners go into heaven who have not yet confessed Jesus Lord or have placed their faith in Jesus and have been justified by his act of compassion obedience on the cross. It just doesn't line up with scriptures, right? But if we take the totality of scripture and combine it together, we may do a little bit more of service to this issue at hand. So let's look about, let's think about this um, a couple of ways. I guess we can look at this. But let me take a step back. So I guess a question I want you guys to ponder about, would it be wrong for God to send children to hell just simply on the basis of the imputed sin of Adam? Again, think about this as a Christian. Biblically, when we speak of God's holiness, his righteousness, his wrath, his love, all those things, you know, is rooted in his essence or essentially who he is, which is holiness. So is it wrong for God to send someone to hell just merely on the fact or the basis of Adam's imputed sin to all of us? And of course, the answer is no. But... I just want you guys to think about that because, you know, I could be totally wrong and God can definitely be sending children to hell because of the imputed sin, because God is holy. God being good is doing such things as that because he's holy. He cannot let sin in his presence. And that right there will show you how much of a holy God he is, that he takes sin very seriously. It, not, it can't be in his presence. But in light of those things, we do kind of have some evidence that it's a chance that we are going to see a lot of babies in heaven. <laughs> but I just want to put that out there. But the Bible actually speaks about children not knowing enough to reject wrong or to choose right. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 16, it says, For before the boys, uh, let me go back. For before the boys knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose the two kings you dread will be deserted. And so in that verse right there, you see that, you know, Children are not able to choose evil or choose good. They don't have a concept of what neither one of those things are. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 39, it says, Moreover, your little ones who you say will become a prey, and your sons who this day have no knowledge of good and evil, shall enter there, and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. So again, in Isaiah chapter 7, as well as Deuteronomy 1, we see the same concept um, that these children or infancy, uh, infant children have no concept of what it is to do evil or good. And so would God send someone to hell who has no concept of uh, evil or good? But both these passages don't actually prove the topic at hand. They don't prove that infants are saved or they don't prove infant salvation. But I want to bring those up because we, we see that in those passages that, again, babies have no concept of the idea of good or bad. And we think about this in Romans 1, does not Paul say that 
basically the recipients of a general revelation that is creation. If you look around creation, when we all die except for God, no one's going to be without an excuse saying that we had no evidence of God being here because creation streams a creator. And so nobody can blame their unbelief on lack of evidence because the world didn't just get here by itself, guys. We all know that. But for somebody listening, you may wonder, you know, I believe in science. I believe the Big Bang Theory, that the world is popular to existence. As foolish as that sounds, many people hold to that. And so when people die, they're not going to be without excuse because, again, creation screams the creator. But creation itself does not lead to special revelation that is a faith in Christ Jesus. But no one's going to be without excuse. But the problem at hand here is that babies aren't even able not only to understand good and bad, they're not even able to understand general revelation. They have no idea <laughs> what the word is, right? So if what Paul says is true, that people, um, they're going to be judged based on the general, re general revelation they saw around them, how does this apply to infants who have no idea of right and wrong or good and evil or good and sin or who even knowledge of who God is rather known general revelation? So how can they be judged on general revelation? If they have no concept of these things. But we do have in Romans 1 that there is sufficient revelation of God's existence in the natural order to establish the moral accountability of all witnesses. But again, how can a child be held accountable to these things when they have no idea of those things? But some people throughout church history or church history or just Christians in general, they will imply this through children as well. So, in other words, how can we kind of deal with this issue? Because I know people kind of question you know, this or have questions about this. So, are babies held responsible as well for the general revelation around them? And I'm sure there's also a few questions out there today, you know, many of y'all got right now. There's probably a lot of questions, but I probably just kind of thought in advance of two questions many of you guys are probably asking in your head. Number one, if a child is too young to know right from wrong, and does not possess the, uh, possess the capacity for reason about God, then is that child going to, or going to heaven or hell? And number two, will God hold babies responsible for not responding to the gospel when they are capable of responding or understanding that message? And so there seems to be um, all throughout scriptures, not only are people judged just on the basis of, you know, the imputed sin, but we're also judged by the mere actions that we do. What I mean by that is if you go to 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, as well as Revelation 20, verse 11 through 12, we see that people are judged not only on general revelation, but they are judged by the very acts that they do. Or a better way to state that is people are um, constantly seen in scripture to be judged on the basis of sin committed voluntarily and consciously in the body. And all three of those passages I named, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and Revelation, they all seem to support how people are judged just on the mere fact of what they do voluntarily here in this lifetime. And so we have nowhere else or any explicit ground of any scripture that says that we are judged based on any other grounds. And so people who died embassies uh, infancy, <laughs> they would have to seem to be saved because um, they cannot satisfy, I guess, these conditions that we see about the divine judgment. 
well, I mean by that is, again, if people are judged simply on the basis of what they do voluntarily in this lifetime, so all the acts of sin that they do willfully in this lifetime, a child has no idea, again, what evil is, no idea what sin is, no idea what good is, what righteousness is, what holiness is, who God is, who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit. It has no idea of any of these things. And not only that, it has no idea, a baby has no idea of what general revelation is or how to even comprehend or understand the world around it. More even over the fact to the fact of the possibility of there being a God because of creation. And so how can a child, on top of all those things, be held responsible for the sins they do when they have no idea what sin is? That's why I believe that um, God's saving grace can extend to these babies as well. And we see all throughout the Bible how this doesn't contradict um, God's character. We're told in Genesis 18, Abraham came to God who says, Well, not the judge of the entire universe, not do what is right and just. And so in the same way, I believe again that God granting saving grace to babies and young children on the basis of a sufficient Christ atonement is definitely consistent with God's loving mercy, God's loving and mercy seen all throughout the scriptures. And we're even told of one account of this very uh we, we see in scriptures of uh, a baby going to heaven. And let's go there real quick in Second Corinthians, uh Second Corinthians, Second Samuel <laughs> chapter twelve, verse twenty-three. Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse twenty-three. It reads this. And just before I read that verse, I'm gonna get, get, tell you guys a little bit of the context. Did you guys remember David and Bathsheba? Um, you know, David was supposed to be a war, but he was at home on the rooftop. He seen a naked woman showering on the rooftop, and he told one of his guards to go get her. He ended up having sex with this woman who was not his wife, and she was also married, and she would be birthed on a child. And so the child would then die as punishment because of the sin that David committed. But um, and this verse tells us something kind of unique here. Again, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. It says this, but now he has died. That is, you know, David's child. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? That's kind of a rhetorical question. The answer is no. But listen to this right here. David says, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Again, listen to this. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And so theologians and Christians all throughout church history have all been in agreement that David here is talking about heaven. And so this baby must be in heaven because David says, I will go to him. And so we can't interpret this verse any other way of the fact that that child was in heaven when it died. And so when David said, I will go to him, he was talking about when David died. Of course, he was a believer, even though he was in sin at that moment. But he will be, you know, when he died, he will be in heaven. So he would see that child again. So if that's true, then that means all children in a sense, we'll have to have this same kind of um, basis. They would have, they all be saved on this basis that, you know, again, they have no concept of those five things I talked about earlier. They also have no concept, or you know, they can't be judged on general revelation. They don't know who God is. They don't know who Jesus is. And they also um, 
They're not committing sins voluntarily. Now there is a um a Christian, he wrote a book, his name is um R.A. Webb, and so he has a book titled Infant Salvation. And this is a good quote that I put, pulled from that book. He says this If a deceased infant were sent to hell on no other account than that of the original sin of Adam, there would be a good reason to for the divine mind for that judgment. I talked about that earlier for you guys. I said, you know, think about this. If God were to send a child to hell just on the fact of Adam's sin, how would you view God at that point? But the quote goes on a little bit, it goes on a little bit farther. He says this, but the child's mind would be a perfect blank as to the reason of its suffering under such circumstances. It would know it would it would know suffering, but it would have no understanding of the reason for its suffering. It cannot tell its neighbor, it cannot tell itself why it was so awfully smitten, and consequently the whole meaning of the significance of suffering being to a conscious enigma. The very essence the very essence of penalty would be absent and justice would be disappointed of its vindication. Such an infant could feel that it was in hell, but it could not explain to its own conscience why it was there. And so, um, we speak a lot of times about you know, Christianity. Everyone that goes to hell does not go to hell undeserving. But, again, I could be totally wrong and God could totally send children there just merely on the fact of Adam's sin. And I would have no problem with that. But in light of these scriptures that I kind of brought to God's attention, especially that when David says, I will see you again, how was that child able to go to heaven? And that child could not profess Christ. And so it would simply be on this, again, what I mentioned earlier, that God's saving grace will have to extend to these children because they have no knowledge and concept. Or they're not able to produce those things, nor are they committing sins voluntarily. And so I guess, you know, for someone to say, um, you know, I am a form, so some you know, in my community, they could say that, um, that God has elect children as well as, you know, non-elect children. So the reason why this child, you know, David's child, to be exact, would go to heaven because God, who was the author of salvation, produced salvation in um, David's child. That's why he was able to go to heaven. But the only problem I have with that, again, I'm reformed, you know, read all the creeds and confessions, well, specifically my confession, 689. But the only problem with that is, for those who God, you know, does a regeneration in our heart, it seems to me all throughout scripture that people who are saved by the Holy Spirit, they all confess or profess Jesus as Lord. And so I've never not once seen somebody in my lifetime as a you know, claim to be Christian that, that does not profess Jesus as Lord. And so a baby doesn't even know how to speak, let alone comprehend who Jesus is. But... I guess it is possible for that to happen because, again, God is author of salvation. So God, he has authority rather than that to grant salvation and I grant it. So, again, I'm not totally discrediting that, but I'm just kind of giving you, I guess, my problem with it. But in the same way, God, he will have to extend grace to anybody who goes to heaven, including those babies who are unable to produce faith in themselves. So I guess that would kind of fall perfectly in line to what I believe as a Reformed Baptist. We're just a reform, you know, Calvinist, like however you want to call it. <laughs> so I guess I wasn't too far off, but 
God has to extend grace to anybody who enter heaven. So for these children, if what I'm saying is, you know, true, he still will have to extend these grace to people who are unable to profess that, that grace. That's why they're going to heaven. And so I guess I probably just contradicted myself. <laughs> but I didn't mean to. But I would, again, it's kind of a difficult subject. So uh, if you guys got any questions, definitely feel free to uh, email me them. My email is K H A. L E E L J zero zero at gmail.com. And I definitely feel free to answer those questions that you may have. And so again, that email is K H A L E E L J zero zero at gmail.com. And so definitely feel free again to email those questions. And so again, I believe once again, children, well, let me go back. The reason why I don't believe in the, you know, the term age of accountability, how some Christians have come alongside and said that there's a certain age that will God, he starts to count, you know, people as, you know, viewed as sinners now. Well, the reason why I kind of don't believe that or don't like that term, because it kind of puts this phrase that, well, when a child gets to this age, now when they die, they're going to be held accountable for their sins. But what about, you know, people who are, you know, younger than the age and know rightly what they're doing? And so I don't believe it's a certain age, whether or not a child is, you know, or a person is held in condemnation for the sin they do. But rather, I believe, is what we're taught in Scripture, that people are held uh, for their sins, you know, on Judgment Day, based on what they did here in this lifetime. And so you could be 50 and have, you know, um, let, me, let me, so somebody can be born with a mental illness. For example, they could be special or, you know, retarded. And they would, you know, in the same way, be a like mind of an infant. They have no idea of any of these concepts. So the sins they may do or, you know, commit, how are they held responsible for those sins? We don't have, they don't have an idea or they're, not, they're going to be basically, we're judged based on that, the actions or the things that we commit here, voluntary and the body. But for someone that's special or has a mental problem who are born that way, as well as babies, they are all like minded. And so you could be 50 and still have a mental problem as well as, you know, zero as babies and possibly still go to heaven based on scripture. Because, again, we're judged on the actions that we commit in this body. And also general revelation, but people who are mentally ill as well as babies. When I say people mentally, I mean people who are born that way. So keep in mind again, but well as babies, they have no idea who, who you know, you guys know what I'm trying to say. And so, again, I believe that granting saving grace to babies as well as young children, as well as mental, uh, mentally ill people who are born that way, on the basis of the of Christ's atonement, is consistent all throughout the scripture with God's love and mercy. And again, we see that all throughout the Bible. And so hopefully this was kind of helpful. I probably was all over the place, but hopefully this was helpful to somebody.